something about a koozie that makes me feel like I'm drinking beer. Even oh. though even though I've got <laughs> even though I've got a fresca in here, the koozies that Shireen gave us, the keep it cool for uh Shireen for Congress. Um it just feels like a beer because that's what you put in a koozie. That's right. You don't put sodas in koozies, you put beers in koozies. And you don't normally drink sodas alone because they're chasers. <laughs> no, beer's a chaser. Isn't that how it goes? Beer's a chaser. So I was driving today and I was looking at the sign. Speaking of Shereen, I was looking at the sign through Sandy and and Draper. And, and one of them just had like district, like really big across it. And it just reminded me of, of Hunger Games. <laughs> and I was like... Huh. Hmm. I wonder if anybody's thought of that. District 13. Yeah. No, it was like District 29 or something. And I was like, hmm. Oh, Utah well. Hunger Games. Kind of is. Not really, because uh, you would actually have to have competition if it was Hunger Games. <laughs> and a lot of these fuckers don't have competition. That's hey, uh, this is the new Utah podcast, by the way. Uh, thank you for joining us, uh, especially those of you on Spotify. Because uh, apparently we're on Spotify now. Finally. Yay! I, you know, I submitted an application like two months ago and never fucking heard a word. You had to do it like three times, right? Yeah. Are and then today I just found it in. And are they picky or something? Or? Uh, no. Well, they're just getting it rolling, and so yeah, they actually it's still were. still in beta. The, oh. the first few podcasts they, they let in were kind of trial things, and they started to let more in. I think they are <clears throat> trying to scan for quality maybe i don't fucking know besides well, so there's, there's this thing that i was looking at i was looking up some stuff on on the podcast and there's this top 25 utah podcast or something i'm like oh i wonder if we're on that i look at no we're not on there but no but th it's like the utah jazz something something last update five years ago and i'm like oh okay well this is just old crappy information anyway yeah i mean well and look what are they getting the top five from like where are they pulling their numbers? They, because iTunes doesn't fucking produce numbers. Their beta reports blow. Like they're not even, <laughs> they don't even fucking track anything half the time. Um, and then you've got individual services. So there are some that do extremely good analytics, but your average like run of the mill podcaster isn't paying that much for hosting because right. it's fucking insane. Then you've got Libsyn, which is, a pretty common host now, and they're not. Uh, their reporting's okay at best. Just um, like any other. Yeah, but so we use SoundCloud, and the, the only one I've heard has really good is Podomatic. But as far as hosting, I don't know. I just know that their analytics are pretty pretty decent. And I hear a lot of people talk shit on SoundCloud, but I personally like SoundCloud. Um, also, if you like rap, SoundCloud seems to be the place to fucking find rappers. <laughs> There's a lot. Like Post Malone came out of SoundCloud. There's a bunch of rappers, like big rappers. SoundCloud that came and MySpace. Out of no, just SoundCloud mostly. No, I mean, you know, Facebook now has like your top top fans. They have taken that um, from MySpace. You know, you're like your top. What was it? Your top eight? Yeah, was so on MySpace. You know what else Facebook has done? Had another data breach. Yeah, Shrug. I totally got logged out. Oh. There we go. I think our guest is here. That's okay. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna talk a little bit more. Uh, I'm gonna introduce everyone. So the one that just left that none of you know left and can't hear, that's Jess. Uh, Jess is uh, going to get our guest, so we'll talk to him in just a bit. Uh, and then uh, the other male voice on the Howdy. Voice, that's Jeremy. Uh, and the other lady voice who just announced that we have a guest. The lady at voice. The door, that's the lovely Bree. <laughs> 
Hello. So we're the new Utah podcast. Uh, so thanks for listening. I uh, hope you enjoy the show. Um, we'll remind you at the end of the show if you make it that far and what you, you should make do. It that far. If you give up halfway through, give us another shot in a week because we do get better sometimes. So uh, just had an eventful weekend um, for lots of reasons. Shit, a dead battery. That was, it's hell. This is so hell. I had so much to do on Saturday. It was debilitating. Yeah. It was terrible. I had a dead battery like two weeks ago. My battery actually was bad. It had actually finally gone bad in the car. Um, but I was like, fuck, really? Another car problem? I just fucking spent $1,600 on my daughter's car. And that was after spending $600 on my daughter's car a couple weeks before that. And we had to do breeze brakes. My God damn it. Fucking cars paid off, and all I've done is repair it since then. Um, but luckily, it was just a battery, um, and I it didn't really strand me anywhere. It did strand us at the gym one morning, though. We like five forty-five ish in the morning. We're out of the gym. The car doesn't start. Call an Uber to take us to the house so Bree can come down and jump my car. <laughs> I actually almost was to a point that I was going to have to find an uber to go do this cake delivery it was only like five bucks to uber back home so and it was like easier than trying to find someone to jump me in the gym parking lot either before or after they got out of that gym at five forty-five in the morning i'm and just I glad i went this. out early because i had to go out i had some cake stuff left in the back of my car and i was like why why is my trunk not opening <laughs> and <laughs> and then it was six thirty in the morning actually it was like six o'clock in the morning so i'm glad that i found out early enough that like through the day could remedy the situation but yeah that's 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 uh that's crazy shit especially when you have the pressure of a cake delivery a wedding cake delivery at that yeah jeez uh a gay couple wedding cake delivery right two two men's yeah jeremy and chad have been together for like 10 years already with lots of grass on the outside of the cake what lots of grass on the outside they were olive branches (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just glancing I'm like it looks like a bunch of grass she threw coconut on the cake this is not was, true by the way no it was, it was all of branches so um. <laughs> yeah no it was really cool and, and they did it at, at their house and just did a really beautiful job getting everything set up and and yeah it was awesome I don't discriminate I uh, that's good unlike other bakers in other states that are not as awesome as Utah that's good to know Thanks. Utah paving the way for gays since last year Two years ago. Since Tuesday. Um, so we, uh, Saturday, Bree and I were at a fundraiser. Uh, Bree was in a uh, bit of a fashion show. It was the Pinups for Pups fashion show at the Rough House uh, fundraiser, which is a fundraiser put on by the Utah Animal Advocacy Foundation. You hit the jackpot. Uh, I did. So we went there, and they always do, it's a big silent auction, and, like, there's hors d'oeuvres and a cash bar, and um, they have, like, like, like super well-trained trick dogs and they always do uh they have a whole bunch of adoptable dogs that are there um this year they had a whole bunch of dogs from the hoarder house in taylorsville where they had pulled out like 150 dogs oh that's cool that they um, incorporated those so they they have a lot of people almost adopted one of them yeah why didn't you guys or are you just not ready i was really fucking close if the dog would not have been a little dog we 
if it would have been a pit bull, it probably would have come home with us. It was adorable. And so they, so we'll, so the fundraiser was cool. I, I won a raffle. So they had two raffles for booze. One was, was this vodka basket and one was like the mega jackpot basket. So I, you know, $20 worth of tickets into both because it's all for a good cause and everything's donated. And I won the vodka basket. Uh, so I have more vodka than I can shake a stick. You better go buy some gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have, and the cool thing was, uh, most of it is local. There's one non-local bottle of vodka, aside from the dog toy. I don't know where that's made. Probably China. Uh, <laughs> there was a dog, a dog toy that was a bottle of vodka that's a squeaky toy. But cute. Trigger House is in there. Yeah, basically a bunch of local distilleries. I ran into him at Costco. Um, <laughs> I didn't know he lived by my parents. <laughs> so, and like an enormous bottle of, of Grey Goose, and we'll eventually drink it over the next four or five years, probably, I'm sure. Um, we're just not heavy drinkers, and I have a liquor cabinet that's so full, there's Can no place to put it. Can you soak cinnamon bears? Uh, probably. Vodka? I bet we could make some good cinnamon vodka. We should try it with one of the bottles. We have vodka. We should do it with one of them we've already started drinking, though, that's in the, the cabinet. So um, so anyway, there was that, uh, and I really wanted that dog. I, what kind of dog was it? It was uh, some kind of chihuahua mix. Most, almost all the dogs it out, was of a that, cute dog? out of that hoarder house were chihuahuas, were, were chihuahuas and shih tzus and just really small breed dogs. A lot of them had problems with this thing. This dog was so damn adorable and cute and loving and like you you can't even imagine like what it came out of to be what it is. Um, but there were pretty other, sure Chris still wants that dog. I would take it today. Uh, I said well, we could still get a big dog if we got this dog and almost got her, almost got her to let me go home with it. Uh, but there was so there is a dog there. His name is Stevie. He is a like a nine year old male pit bull. He's a, he's a blue he's a blue hair. So he's like that beautiful gray color. Has no eyes. Huh. And he is the sweetest. He's not just blind. No like, eyes, has no eyes. No eyes. They're gone. They're just sewn shut. There's no eyes. The sweetest dog. He's so cute when he's oh when you God. reach out your hand up so that he smells and, and knows you're there. He gets so excited. He gets excited. And then he's like, he wiggles. okay, come on. Pet me now. I know you're here. You got to pet me. Can I give you a kiss? Can I give you a kiss? It's, it's, it's and then he cute. would smell another dog and he would start to try and play with the dog. And he doesn't even exactly know where they're at, but he's still trying to play with them. It's <laughs> um, so it was a really fun event. They raised quite a bit of money. Um the, the organizer came in and talked to us towards the end of the night uh, and, you know, was telling us, like, how much better she thinks they did than last year, which is really cool. Especially because um, they needed after that hoard. And then they um they actually have a cleft palate specialist. So they get some special funding um, because she takes almost every single cleft palate. Oh, my God. She um, had this baby bulldog. Mm -hmm. And this little girl was, you could tell, I mean, she's like, just a couple months old, but she had a cleft palate as well. It was fixed by then, so like you couldn't really tell from the outside. No, but she had to bottle and tube feed mm -hmm. her for a long time and rehabilitate her, and so they. So she was just starting to finally get uh, to be a dog. Oh my gosh, she that was dog! So cute. So that was our Saturday, uh, and then basically my week has been a total shit show since then. <laughs> <laughs> it's only Tuesday it's only while Tuesday. recording this, um, so. Sunday was cool. I went and played Magic and got to nerd out a little bit on Sunday. But but yesterday, we were supposed to have the roofers come. They didn't show up. 
Well, well it's not that they just didn't show up. They were a day behind, and we didn't get the call yeah, they that did, we were supposed they to did call. The, the, the automated call didn't come to say that they weren't going to be here. And so finally I called them, and I'm like, hey, what, what's the deal? And he's like, oh, yeah, we're a day behind. We'll be there tomorrow, weather permitting. Well, and of course, right now, we've got the hurricane coming in, or I guess it's a tropical storm or depression no, now, but, yeah. uh, because the winds have gone down a little bit. Um, it's funny, Saturday night, Josh was like, hey, who ordered the hurricane? And I'm like, you know, this really is from a hurricane, right? And he's like, what? Are you serious? I'm yeah. like, yeah, these are from a hurricane. These are hurricane winds. Um, but so now it's going to be raining a lot. So they started my roof today. Some poor sap was up on my roof all day. Uh, just one dude because they're clearly behind. Uh, and... Uh, the appliances that we got were supposed to be delivered yesterday morning, and they called me late Saturday night, and they're like, hey, could you do from like uh, like 12 to 6? And I'm like, really? I'm like, I guess. I'm going to probably fucking be here all day anyway, but you ought to be done by 6 because I'm leaving probably around 6. He's like, okay, we can do that. So they got here. They didn't get there until like 3.30. So I waste a whole fucking day that I could have been in the office basically all day. I have to sit at home. Now, I can work from home, which is fine, but I'm also like... Well, like, I don't, I don't want to get involved in something, and then I had to, so it's been a crazy, and then today, I was here for a little while to get the roofers going, and then I had to leave, and then I had to come back for another appointment that a guy scheduled with me that I thought he canceled, and he didn't, and then I came back, and then the fridge had a problem, uh, when, the, after they installed it, there's a crack in it, so I had to fucking get a new door ordered for the fridge that's brand new, that's been here for a, less than 24 hours. <laughs> well, it's been here 24 hours now. Now? So it it's been like, and on top of all that, and on top of that, we had a stove in our front room, and yes. so thank you, Jeremy, for not letting my front room and look all like my a pictures kitchen. Pictures are on fucking couches and because the floor. of the roofers. Did it, you go into the girls' room and take down any other stuff? No, I don't give a shit about that stuff. That's fine. Nothing is hanging on the walls except Sean's cork board. So, and then like everything else is taped, so I don't really care. <laughs> um. So yeah. Anyway, it's been crazy for me, but. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with it. The house house disarray, for those of you that don't know me personally, is my, my big, like, stressor. Like, anything else can be going on, but if the inside of my house is disorganized, like, the fucking stove in my front room, I, it really freaks me out. Like, when they were here, like, putting in all the appliances, I was super stressed out because I could see the clutter and disarray of like fucking things moved out of place and boxes because they were still and it was just like freaking me out because that's just how I am like anything else is fine you want to fucking tear off my roof that doesn't bother me like there's a big dumpster in my driveway and they're tearing the roof off whatever you fucking <laughs> disorganized shit in my house Bree redoes one of the floors again it, it, that's it, happening I know what it is. I'm trying to mentally prepare for the insanity. Jody said that John would come over and help me move stuff if you don't. I will. I fucking pulled up the carpet before, didn't I? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so that's my stressed out weekend. Jeremy, how was your first weekend back? Our weekend was good. Julia came to visit. We finally got to meet her boyfriend. That's oh, good. I didn't know she had a boyfriend. That's she awesome. She's had a boyfriend for couple months. A few months. So now. a new boyfriend. So we finally got to meet him. Not the Overwatch. Uh, Not the Overwatch kid. Guy. No, this this kid is a specialist in the armed forces. Oh. 
He could kill us. Uh, maybe. Uh, he's stationed out of Camp Williams. He's in the 1457th. That's the same unit my dad retired from a number of years ago. Oh, that's ago. cool. So he's Green Beret? No, he, my dad was. He isn't, but it's the same unit. It's the, the 1457th is the unit that's out there. Um, but, yeah, we finally got to meet him. Nice kid of African-American descent. Good for her. Which... That's just kind of a side note. It's interesting. Cool. I just don't understand why it's relevant. That's the piece to me. Like, I'm, I'm getting to that point, and part of it is... White the, Mormon family. Part of it is the kids, and, like, their, the discussions we've had with them, and their non-descriptors of, of our neighbors and their friends, and how... Which you guys have talked about before. Yeah. yeah. But that has actually changed the way I, I talk about people in general. It is rare that I bring up race in my discussion of people. Um, I think I bring it up because it's interesting. I think it's cool. Yeah, I mean, he's one of like seven in, in the, the whole state. And so. Hey, and we know two others, so... So we're halfway there. <laughs> I bring it up because I think it's cool. I think it's cool that she is comfortable enough that that didn't bother. It's and a non-issue. It's a non-issue. It's, it's good generationally that it's a non-issue, so, for sure. Nice kid, quiet. Oddly quiet. That you know, you just made me shy. Well, maybe. He's not hitting her then? You're good there? As far as I know. (laughs) I'm just making sure, not because of his race or anything, but I'm just making sure that, you know, he's a stand-up dude. He's a respectable dude. Seems like a good guy. he's not a fucking piece of shit. Seems like a good guy. Well, he drove, so he lives out in Eagle Mountain, and he drove up here... So then to have, take her you, back, you could send Jess to his house. Is what you're saying? Yeah, I think he lives like right by her. Um, but you so he, don't know where you I go live. do some snooping. But he I drove could. up. So he I'm drove up that. here to take her all the way back to school. So that was nice of him. On that's a hell of a distance. Like, how the fuck did they meet? That he is dating your daughter, who lives in Ogden, basically, and he they met through a mutual friend. And he lives down in Eagle Mountain. That's a distance. He was living. Hey, the things that you do for like. <laughs> Things you do for like. <laughs> he was living in Salt Lake. I think he just moved out there recently because he's stationed out there. So for him, it's easier to just yeah, be out there because he's full time. Yeah. Um, There's a lot there. of people that live out yeah, there. Yeah, if he's there. active duty. And, yeah, he's full time at the base. So it's for him, it was easier to move out that direction. So anyway, his dad was one of the colonels out at Hill Air Force Base. Oh, so he's a military brat too. So yeah. Anyway, it was it was nice to see Julia. This is the. First or second time only that we've seen her since she moved out for college. So yeah, Sean came. I haven't once. seen Cassidy once, and Cass- I've seen Sean once. Yeah, she, Cassie didn't come. Hasn't come home yet. We're that's that's how him. it goes when I get that age. I, I get actually, to go see him this upcoming weekend, though, so I'm super excited. Do they know? Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm actually like I. I envision this being Sean because it is a little bit further for her to drive, and uh, she likes driving even less than her sister. So. That little bit of extra distance, that extra 45 minutes for her is is very prohibitive in terms of, yeah, I'll just not go home this weekend. Um, Cassie, on the other hand, I think she's just getting to that age where this isn't, this isn't, it's home, but it's not home. Like, she's in a more permanent residence that I don't think that she'll move back in the summer. I think she'll stay down there, and that's good for her. Hopefully, she'll find a good internship and start to have her own life. And I can turn her room into another closet for us. No. We'll remain her room. And we'll she remain uses the couch room. anyway. Yeah. yeah. No. Then no. we'll remain her room. No. And we're doing. T- we're not telling them about any of the stuff that we've no. done so that when they come up, because we are doing windows too. 
and we're going to do their bedroom windows. I, I think we've got the final quote, and we're going to sign it tomorrow. We're going to do their bedrooms, so we'll see if they notice those things, too. But we're not going to tell them about The windows it. and the roof, I don't think that they'll even notice. So it's no way. You... The roof, for sure. No. Well, it'll that be a is... totally different color. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They and won't. have gutters. Well, like won't. I said to you earlier tonight, Bree, if they'll notice the appliances, and you said, who doesn't? It was two days after we had our new appliances before some of my kids noticed. <laughs> two full, yeah, days. But, full days. And they fucking live there. But the color is the same. Like, all of the appliances were white and now they're black. It's it like, was a stainless steel and a white stainless steel, but still it's, It doesn't matter, because what they're going to do is come in and be like, something's different. Yep. But they're not going to actually no, be able to No, I think that they'll notice. Should we take But bets? I don't think that they'll notice. <laughs> I don't think that they'll notice the windows unless... Cassie's the windows, like, no. why is my room not sweltering? Yeah, or why I, is my I room not freezing? I think that's why they notice the windows. And then I, we, I would be like... I don't know. That's weird. And, and yeah, because they're not like there's blinds and blackout curtains. They're not going to be like, oh, yeah. you know, right. looking at the windows. So. They're like, this frame looks different. And so, the reason I think they might notice the roof is just like you approach our house from a hill and you, you come down on it, it and it's going to be a totally different color. So they may just look at it and go, something looks different on the house. They may not be able to place it. But I think that they'll be like, what did you do? They'll notice the fence for sure because... I mean, it's just hard not to notice that there's not a hole at the back anymore, and right. it's not a green, you know, uh, greenery, grapevine-covered thing. Like, it'll be a solid wood fence, and there'll be a gate on that thing, and you'll, you won't be able to see into the backyard anymore. So I think that'll be a little bit easier, especially whoever decides to park there as soon as they pull up. Like, there will be a totally different view in front of them. So. so enough about our house improvements. <laughs> no one probably gives a so shit So back about. to the new Utah. <laughs> hey, this all happened in Utah. I mean, this is all new and in Utah. That's true. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, I think there's probably some events. Um, you know, I wanted to go to the, the, the we went to Oleo's thing uh, as well, their, their one year anniversary. Uh, I got a chocolate, chocolate donut. Got a nice long discussion with, with Derek about where they think they're going. We talked to Chocolate Conspiracy and some stuff that they're doing that we was, didn't know where about. Where was this at? Uh, this was at, at Farmer's Market on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Um, well, not, not well, Chocolate Conspiracy. And, and, Chris is jumping. Yeah, well, uh, just talking about things that we did. And then Bubble and Brown was actually catering their party thing, but they had dropped the stuff off when we were there talking to Derek. Well, so. it was funny because... And we, we just stopped by and said a quick hey to Jen and told her we were going to get our stuff at the shop today. And he was at the, just standing at the booth talking to her. And she's like, hey, have you ever met? And I can't remember his name. Oh. And we Jay. said, no. And then. From Bubble and Brown. Andrew. Andrew. Whatever the guys. <laughs> anyway, <husband>. Andrew. <laughs> There's two of them. There's their husband. Andrew. Husband yeah. And Brady. Brady. Yeah, it must have been. It wasn't the guy who actually makes stuff. It was the other guy. Anyway, so we met him for a minute, and then we went and got our coffee, and and then we walked around to Chocolate Conspiracy, and he's like, I'm so excited. We're getting all ready, and we're going to have some stuff ready for you guys, and da-da-da-da-da, and we picked up chocolate mix for Cass and some chocolate bars and stuff. Then we went up to Olio, and while we're sitting there talking to Derek, here comes the bubble and brown guy, and I'm like, hey, I just saw you, and because he was dropping stuff off to Derek, and he had just been at Jen's booth, so. Circle of life at the farmer's what? market. Totally. So, uh, that's almost over. Um, yeah. But we didn't get to go weeks. to Fourth West Fest. We wanted to, but we just couldn't fit it in. A I was already late else. to the fundraiser thing, so. But uh, there's other stuff coming up, right? Maybe. Um, 
Just a reminder that this weekend is the Short Track World Cup qualifier. Uh, the Olympic Oval is free. Um, free to try out? No. Yeah. <laughs> free to go watch. Yeah. No, actually, they sent me the regulations, and it's pretty. It's pretty awesome. You so. go up to the. You go up to the thing. Can I rent some skates? I want to try out. So it opens at eight, but the trials start at nine, and go till four o'clock, uh, both the sixth and the seventh. Uh, just a reminder that Peterson Family Farm opened last weekend for their pumpkin patch, uh, their little hay rides and their popcorn and delicious things. And a reminder that Asylum 49 is in full swing. Um, I'm trying to talk my, my 17 year old and going. She Along with oh. all the other haunts. With you? No, with our friends. Well, yeah, but we don't have relations with them. so. I hope he doesn't have relations <laughs> with his daughter. No, with the haunts, you weirdo. Oh, oh. <laughs> the other haunted house. I'm just, just, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> no, what I'm saying is. <laughs> yeah, we don't um, have relations with go out that kind of show. If you want full contact. If you don't want full contact, go on Wednesday. When they have Wimpy Wednesdays, then you won't get we'll go to dragged other, by your man bun back go to into some the, other little bitch haunted house. That was pretty yeah. funny when he grabbed that dude by the and, and he was like, "What did he say?" He, he was goes, like, "Men, men shouldn't men have, should have ponytails." Something like that. That's funny. <laughs> Good old Doctor Fear. They actually did a really. I sent it to Bree. They, if you've ever seen Matilda, and they. Uh, like when she's walking through and she's like making things happen to, um, what's the they, they did a mil- they did a mil- do, 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 do. Matilda challenge. Yes, yeah. and the, but they did it to Doctor Fear putting bags on people's heads. <laughs> like it was, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> Anyways, walking um, down the that hallway that we walked down the yeah. last one. So if you have two hundred and ninety nine dollars that you want to spend. On the, from the 9th to 11th, the Utah Tourism Conference is going to be in Salt Lake. And I just think that being a podcast of Utah, that that would be really cool because it's bringing together technology. It's bringing together things from the top of Utah to the bottom of Utah. Why are you rolling your eyes at my events? Well, just I read about this event and I think it's a really cool conference. Um I don't know that it's a conference I would go to personally, but it's a it's a so the whole idea behind it is to get businesses that are centered around tourism and legislatures and and um, I don't want to say educators, but like people that are really in like chambers of commerce yeah. and stuff like that are really involved in tourism, talking about things that work well for them when it comes to tourism that don't work things that help them get tourists into their business um, what kinds of new things are drawing tourists to the state uh, it's an opportunity for them to network so they can tell our dumbass piece of shit governor that he doesn't need to get fucking secretary of the interior Zinke to cut our monuments in half because it's fucking our tourism in certain areas um, but it's done in a much nicer way than I said that's why I like going to that conference conference. Um, but th- I mean, it, it does seem like a really cool conference. I just don't know that it's something that, that I would be interested in personally, but not all events I'm interested in personally, but I actually thought it was a really cool conference. I was like, how could I make this be a conference I could attend and really get something out of? And I'm just like, right now where I'm at from a business standpoint, I probably can't. <laughs> That's okay. Cause then on the 10th, you can go to Shireen. 
our guest last week, her town hall. Okay. She can had I, a town hall. Can I say this? And she's not even elected. So she's yet. awesome. She's awesome. And I never said this because she was just so good at, to talk to. But all I can think of when I look at her last name, Gorbani, is Gorlami. <laughs> <laughs> From Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> I think of. Because that's the name of the Italian. I think filmmaker. of Gormandy's The Bakery. Gorlami. Yeah, that movie. <laughs> okay, so there's a couple more events. That's Next all I could think, week. and I wanted to tell her. You and should I never have. Did. And maybe she would have laughed, and then you would have had and something she, else in No, she probably been like, yeah, that's not the fucking first time I've ever heard that. Maybe it would be. You don't know if you don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you guys ever heard of Westshire Homes? Westshire? You of all people. So it is a neighborhood. She was pointing at Jeremy. It was. Yeah. It's a neighborhood in West Valley that was built by the same architect and designer. And it is all mid, mid-century modern homes. An entire neighborhood. Actually, Kate Kelly used to live there. I've been to her home over there. It's pretty amazing. But Preservation Utah is doing a tour of that on the 13th. Uh, it's 20 bucks and you get to go to three three or four of the homes. It's like two blocks. Like it's a huge area. So it's a whole neighborhood of those homes yep. instead of having one random fucking it's home a modern in the middle home of Bountiful. The across <laughs> the street from James's house. There's one that's like this. I guess that's more like no, that's uh, modern. That's modern way, Art Deco. Yeah, style. that's Art Deco. But no, still, it's, instead of instead of having like well, one in the middle of a neighborhood randomly, it's a whole yeah. neighborhood. There's a Franklin yeah. House in Bountiful. It is. Is there? Oh, yes, there is. There's Jeremy. Yep. There's Jeremy House in Bountiful Salt City Home Designs House. There's my house is about 5,000 of them. Have you actually figured it out, like how many homes you've done over the years? Over the years, I don't know. Because working for other people, I don't even know. Of my own, since I've had my own business, I'm in, uh, I'm almost up to 1,200. Wow. Jeez, jeez. And that's that's designs because you you obviously did some work early on for like a, a company like Garbet that makes a lot of the same house. Yep. And so you do one set of plans basically. Yep. I mean, so that I don't really count that, but if you did, whole well, I don't even know because yeah, I've done I've done you've some, done a bunch of stuff like that. Right? Uh huh. Anyway, so preservationutah.org. That's where you can get tickets and more information. And they are they are private homes that people live in, yes. so don't be a fucking twerp. Like <laughs> you can take pictures of the outside, but you can't take pictures of the inside. Don't take your fucking service. Unless you ask. Don't take your don't take your dog with you because you need him for moral support. Don't fucking go if you have to take your dog because you can't take it into people's houses. It's rude. If you have a wheelchair, it sucks, but houses don't have to be ADA, and so they're not. So they all have stairs. They have all these warnings on their website. Yes. Yes. Uh, two more events next week. Fourth congressional debate between uh, Mia and Ben. It's going to be at the Sandy Campus, Salt Lake Community College Sandy Campus okay, so on the 15th. We, we talked about this last week. At 6 o'clock. I'm going to reiterate it. Mia Love, and we didn't spend a lot of time talking about Mia Love and Ben McAdams, but if you want to talk about the race that's actually close, like, Shireen's awesome. Her race is going to be closer than it has been in the past in this dist- in, in that district, but the closest district in the state, the one that is getting a lot of ad dollars from the two national committees, is Mia Love and Ben McAdams, and they are... They are so close in polls. They are within margins of error, which basically means the race is going to be a toss-up. A lot of big political organizations are saying, yeah, it's probably a toss-up, or it's just 
slightly leaning right. This is a district that was decided by less than 400 votes a couple uh, election cycles ago. It was the last ago. election. It wasn't the last election. It was the last election that Matheson won. It was only decided by like 400 votes. Last year it was about 15,000. Um, this is my district. I know it's it very well. Too. It's still your district. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I, it's Carrie's district too, which is weird because like you're in Saratoga Springs and he's in I'm in Eagle Mountain. And he's in it's Mill Creek. Fucking it's not. And we're in Kearns. Just because like, you've never right. been to my house before. That's like saying Murray and Taylorsville aren't basically the same place. They basically are. One just goes further west than the other. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that is that is going to be the closest race. That is going to be the best chance to get another Democrat back into Washington. Um but again, I don't care who you vote for. Just fucking vote. Because that's the difference. This is a, a midterm election. This is way more important than your general election. This is the election your vote counts. Um, you know, go find out who your candidates are. Uh, the the things are available at vote.utah.org. Um, well, this vote. midterm Utah. one is what gave Misty Stone her edge. Misty Snow? Misty Snow, so, sorry. Yeah. Gave her her edge. It was the, the midterm one is what made all the difference for her and actually put her in the running. Yeah, so... Did you make sure your daughter is registered? I keep bugging her about it. She said she did the paperwork, but I, I'll... I bugged Sean about it, but she has to... We have to turn it in because she's never registered before or something. I don't know. It's weird. So vote. That's, that's all I'm asking. I don't really care who you vote for. You should vote for Ben McAdams if you're in District 1. Four. But, uh, four? Is it four? Yeah. I don't remember. It's Whatever. Um, but uh, just vote. That's that's really what it, what it comes down to is is get out and vote it make or or sit on your ass and fill out the ballot at home and put it in the mailbox. It's not yes, that there hard. are only two there are only two counties that are not getting mail ballots, so and you don't are, have an. Do you excuse. know what they are? Juab and I don't remember the other one. It's I tweeted okay it out if the today. People in Juab County don't vote. I'm good with that. That's <laughs> like Nia, Nephi and like two other people. So. Mona. Nephi. How many? This is a really small county. It's not the smallest, but it's a pretty small county. I don't. Carbon, I think, might be the other one. Yeah. I don't remember. Anyways, one more event just because they're back. Uh, classes at time and place. They're doing the terrariums, the creepy terrariums. So you can build that on the 14th. Just make sure to go to her Facebook page and get your tickets because they are going to sell out fast. Did you say it's gun show season? <laughs> oh, that, I did. You put that in the, <laughs> totally you put that in the show notes. I was I, even going to type it really in all capital letters. <laughs> I want It is gun show is in all caps. It's gun show season. That's how it's typed out. And I don't want to. Look, I no, don't want to no not joke. talk about it. No joke for the last like three weeks and moving into the week after this. Every single event page has had at least one gun show. Oh, That's look, why I said it's gun show season. There's like four <laughs> or five more before Thanksgiving. There are a lot of. Well, it is hunting shows. season as well. Hunting season started last week. It's also it's so. also fourth quarter. Time to get those gun sales now. I want to talk about gun shows. First off, what's the over-under on how many people get shot at a fucking gun show this year? It's got to be at least one, if not two. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to take the over on one, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with zero. Yeah, I'm going there, too. Why, you guys are taking the under Maybe, on one. yeah. Maybe it's just something, like, stupid. I don't know. Maybe a knife stabbing instead. <laughs> like a serrated knife. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, like, what was last year? Dude fucking, oh, 
You know what? Can you take this? Can you take the the zip tie off the trigger lock? Yeah, sure. Let me undo that. For was that you. last year? Or was that yeah. the year before? I don't know. Oh, there's a loaded clip in it, and I'm gonna rack Into it, and pillar? I'm gonna fire. Oh, I was just trying to dry fire. It hits a pillar, and then fucking pegs a kid with the ricochet. <laughs> Are you shitting me? You gave him a fucking gun <laughs> with a clip full. How do you not know that clip had ammo in it? Why do you have a clip full of ammo in your goddamn fucking display that you're selling? Why do you have a, a, a clip? <laughs> Full ammo. He's not spiking, you, just so you are know. Are you okay? Uh, no, I he, haven't clipped once. No, it's because I'm his not, voice I'm, is not loud. Also, ever. Like, even when he yells, his voice is not loud. <laughs> I'm not right. kidding you. I, I he'll be downstairs, and he'll be, like, yelling as loud it. as he can upstairs. And I'm like, I can't hear shit you're saying. I just don't get it. I, I, I really don't. Um, here's the deal with gun shows, people. You can sell a gun at a gun show without a background check. A person can buy a gun without a background check. It's a private sell. They don't have to run background checks on private sales. There's no regulations on gun show gun shows in the state of Utah at all. Zero. Zilch. Nada. And there's no real regulations on private gun sales. The only law that's out there is you can't knowingly sell a gun to basically a criminal. So you say, have you been arrested? And they say no. We sell them a gun. If you don't even ask, and they are like a fucking 12-time convicted rapist murderer that carries pistols, you can still sell it because you don't know. You don't ask. You don't know. You don't have to run a background check. It's stupid. And there's always some dumbass that gets hurt. <sighs> it's frustrating. And we have so many of them because we have so many people that like guns that probably don't even fucking know how to use them properly because you don't have to take any kind of gun licensing course or safety course to handle a firearm, but you have to fucking drive with someone for a year to drive a goddamn car. <laughs> After taking this excruciatingly pain in the ass written test to drive a car, a tool that's useful. And you have to wait to get fucking married. But you can just go buy a goddamn gun. Same thing. I think we should talk about something Chris is passionate about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Sorry, you put it on the I want. I no, I did. You, I did. I That's fine. You can blame me for anything. Because it's been in the event list every week. So I just thought it was funny. Also, no one more bone to pick and then I'll be done with gun shows tonight. I promise. I think everybody should own like muzzles where you have to like clean them and like like put your own gunpowder in because then it's like more effort and people are late. No, because I'm going to have people blowing their own fucking arms off with gunpowder. Well, good. Uh, it's Rocky Mountain Gun Show and the theme song to Rocky Mountain Gun Show. Gun Show. <laughs> Rocky Mountain Gun Show. How long I do you hate it because it's been stuck in my head since I read that goddamn note and I know it's not going away anytime soon because that fucking gun show is coming like in a week or two. <laughs> I'm done. You get you to insert that. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk about we don't really do news anymore. We're gonna not do that. So stick around. Um, we do have a, an interview with a, a local Utah storyteller, uh, the uh, proprietor of uh, Original Provo Utah Ghost Tours, um, Danny B. Stewart. Danny B. Stewart. Uh, pretty interesting conversation. Uh, pretty interesting guy. He's a storyteller, kind of a dying art, unfortunately. Um, we've got a couple other things we're gonna talk about, but just a quick update. So uh, Brewies Cinema Pub. Uh, if you didn't hear, and we're only talking about this because we've talked about it a bunch, um, so <laughs> the judge just ordered the state of Utah to pay 
half a million dollars in attorney fees um, and basically said, well, you guys are the dumbasses. It sucks that the taxpayers have to pay for this, but you're the dipshits that wrote a shitty law when you knew it was unconstitutional when you wrote it. Uh, and then you tried to enforce it and it's your fault. So pay the attorney fees. So that's funny. Uh, the way, I mean, he, he did. He basically scalded the state government and said he didn't scald them. He scolded them. You know Maybe what? he did scold them. Maybe he was like, here, take that coffee. If you read ah. that statement, that shit was hot like fire. He scalded Dude, the shit out of them. He did not scald them. <laughs> okay, grammar police. Do you thing. know how many times I hold back and don't say things? I, I do. I appreciate like, it. 99% of the time, there are a million things that I hold back and I don't say. <laughs> And on Facebook, a especially, I'm like, what oh, the Oh, I thought you were fuck? talking about me specifically. No. Like, I don't... Just and in general, said, during the day, throughout my lifetime, I just want to punch people then, sometimes. Then once you said on Facebook, I knew immediately I was out of the room. It was running. not you. It was not <laughs> me. Oh, no, there's very specific people on Facebook that I have considered hiding just because I can't stand that they think that they're really, really good at whatever they're writing and they're using wrong forms of words. That's and why I hit Jess. <laughs> Jess is not one of them. No, there's specific people. I'm just not going to say it because then I might as well just correct him on Facebook. But no, there are some people that I'm just like, no one what is your problem? This. You're fine. No one listens to us. Um, one of these days, somebody might go back and listen. And I'd feel terrible. So one other thing. Uh, we talked about this before, um, and it quietly waited a long time before it became something that was enacted. But we've been talking about some of the liquor changes that happened in that big, giant, sweeping piece of legislation this last session. Oh, my God. Um, I was reading this. This th deserves a... Yeah. Uh -huh. this, this was, <laughs> unlike when like a family member dies, this one actually should get a walk. I was reading this while I was at work and it was so bad that I started. I'm like, OK, you guys, I'm reading this thing and you guys have to hear this. And I was reading these things out so, loud. So Utah State, um, you know, for a long time, grocery stores were, were fairly unregulated in, in beer sales. So you got a license through whatever locality that you were uh, selling beer. And there wasn't a lot of enforcement, um, certainly not at the state level. There was none. And usually most cities didn't really do a whole lot of, you know, policing and enforcement. So but most stores are pretty diligent about not selling to minors. Um, but one of the things that you used to be able to do in a store, and that's all changing, uh, is uh, put up displays. So you would see like Super Bowl displays that had Tostitos on top of an like a fucking field goal post made out of Budweiser boxes or some shit. I don't know. Who's but that is distasteful to some lawmakers, so, Christopher. So and you would see, you know, later in the store, another display on the edge of a cooler area that had you know, uh, some new Smirnoff flavor. And then, you know, uh, another couple aisles down, you would see an end cap that had this other thing that they were trying to sell from booze because you know what? They have a whole bunch of different distributors that want to have displays. Budweiser, Coors Brewing, the people that make Smirnoff, the people that make Apple Red's Apple L, and then some of them are the same company, but they like to have displays because it encourages people to buy their particular booze, um, and it's very normal. In the rest of the world, that's how things operate. In fucking stores, they have displays for everything. In, you know, department stores, they have displays for things they want to put on special. Well, now, in the state of Utah, you can have one display outside of your main 
beverage selling area. Your main so they're considered. So it says area. you can have two displays, but one of them is your main, like the cooler. Yeah, is is your beer cooler in a convenience store, and then you can have one other display in the store. And to get your beer license from the state, you have to specify on your floor plan where that display area is. Yeah. And and like it's it's back to the you have to have a fucking divider if you have beer next to non-alcoholic because drinks they you have think to have people a divider. are confused as I'm talking to people in my office about this I'm like so have any of you ever been confused accidentally bought you did you accidentally buy a store? Budweiser and think it was a Coke yeah, and well, then get no, home and I mean, drink I, it I, I give it to your kids sort of get some bottles may so be, there, there are, but you're never going to actually get to buy them. So there are compliance officers that are going to be put into place. That's something that we've never had that actually probably was somewhat lacking. Hopefully they don't do the same bullshit that they tried at Brewies uh, and create another fucking lawsuit for stupidity. Um, it, it's... So that's okay, good. This the, badges thing seriously. Oh yeah. They, so so you have to wear name tags now that indicate if you're over the age of 21 to sell liquor. It um, has to have. It has to be a unique identification badge. Yeah. It's, they I have to do say, specific warning signs. If we put this booze. much time into our children's school <laughs> legislation, oh, then yeah. maybe they'd be able to differentiate between a regular drink and an alcoholic beverage. I feel like you need to go to the eye doctor for her, how hard your eyes is rolled. How about we work on our education system and put this much effort into the education system? God damn it. <laughs> I like how it's like, not God damn it, it's God damn it. <laughs> So anyway, that's... Uh, it's the night of airing laundry. That's the only news that we're going to do. We're going to do... Uh, because we have Danny B. talking about Utah ghost stories, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about um, some ghost towns and then maybe uh, maybe Dugway. <laughs> Since Jess mentioned it and Danny was like, I don't go there. Fuck you. <laughs> Basically hear, the story of my that. life. He did. He said it much, again, much nicer than I say because most people yeah, say don't, things much when nicer you, than When me. Chris paraphrases, don't ever think that the people actually say it the way he does it. Yeah, pretty much when I paraphrase with a couple swear words, the, the, the guests don't usually use those for some reason. I don't know. So uh, we're going to talk about a few ghost towns, and I don't know how familiar you guys are with these, but there are five ghost towns in Utah. Um now, we pulled this off of KSL. I've never heard of any of them. Forever ago, but I'll, I'll talk Thistle's about This is probably one of the most p- common. So, yeah, we'll talk about Thistle. So, Thistle um, is a small community in Spanish Fort Canyon. Um, it was uh, a place that people went when they were going to, like, you had to go through there to get to Price and Moab and Manti and Ephraim. Uh, it was about 3,000 people at the height. Um, they had a, <laughs> the, the best thing is, is they say they had stores, a school, even a newspaper. So like it was a bustling town in the early 1900s. Um, but it, uh, um, it died. Basically. <laughs> it wah, just disappeared. Wah. How the hell, how the hell is my story missing? Like, like all of them. I have like one and a half things That's instead insane. of all five. So I, I'm actually going to, I have all five. Do you want mine? It's uh, water stained because we have had this story for so long. It's from when Jeremy. Well, yeah, because we, we we printed these forever ago. I don't need yours. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pull it up here. But we we printed these forever ago, and then we must. The article have- does say. Five ghost towns to visit this summer, June fourth. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's the like I said, we got it from KSL, but it doesn't change um, the fact that these are still ghost towns. Yeah, they're still ghost towns, and you don't have to go visit them in the summer. In fact, they're they're 
Some of them are just kind of shells. So anyway, Thistle, the big thing with Thistle is they had a big flood. Um, and uh, it, they had a, or a big landslide. Um, it missed the town, but it blocked the river. And so what happened is, is all the river waters uh, raised up and then flooded the community out. And so there's not much left. Um, so that kind of just killed it off. It, at the time that it happened, it was the costliest U.S. Lands, landslide in U.S. history. Um, they estimated the damages were over $200 million in, in damages. Wow. Back uh, then? Yeah, back then. Wow. So like this is in like 1983. Uh, is when that happened. Um, that basically washed up the rest of what was left. So, um, okay, Frisco. So Frisco back in the 1880s, it was, uh, and you're going to find a theme here. Most of these ended up actually being mining towns. That, and that's, if you go across the desert west, uh, you know, Utah, uh, Nevada, um, New Mexico, there's a lot of mining towns. That that's what most of these state started out as yeah I yeah mean, the majority of them that's what that's all they were so frisco was a silver mining town in beaver county had about six thousand people 20 saloons several gambling paid parlors and many brothels well we've come a long way since then so um basically this is this is an area that a lot of people refer to it's it's <laughs> um, legendsofamerica.com a writer there said it's Dodge City Tombstone Sodom and Gomorrah all rolled into one like this was, all in Beaver County this was a serious debauchery sort well, of place it's in Beaver um, County but in 1885 the mine had a massive collapse uh, and basically the town just vanished did you just at that say point. 1985 1885 <sighs> So it, it disappeared rather quickly as well. So then there's there's Grafton, which is um, down by Zions Park, uh, and it was just a it was that was actually a farming community, um, but uh, it it uh, basically had a lot of problems with flooding and everything too, um, and it vanished. But it's been in a lot of movies. So Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is one of the movies that that town was actually a big part of. Um, the Butch Cassidy house is still there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Sago, this is this is the one. I think Sago is the one that actually was the most interesting to me. So Sago, which was actually renamed, it was originally named after the founder, and I can't remember his name. Um, Mr. Sago. No, say, say it's named. <laughs> it's Sago, named so after it's, the Sago lily. Yeah, Sago lily, which is the state flower. So, but oh, in the eighteen nineties, uh, again, it was a coal mining town, so a lot of mining. Um, and then um, in 1947 was kind of at its peak, but really quickly after that, uh, the town basically got abandoned. So there was a big flood in, in 1950. And so one of the things that happened was the town itself didn't flood. What flooded was the railroad lines leading to the town. So there was a spur off of the main railroad line to get to the town so they could get their ore and stuff out. Um, and it got flooded all the time, and it was really costly for the railroad to repair it. Now, the problem with Sago is Sago didn't have really good water sources coming to it, so it actually had a hard time producing and keeping water for local crops and people. Um, and then the mine itself <laughs> caught fire twice. Twice. Coal mine. <laughs> it's still on fire. It is actually still burning, so it's what's called a smoldering fire. This is why this one was so interesting to me. So underground, underneath where Sago was, um, it's still smoldering, and the old mine shafts still have smoke that comes out of them. They have that. I know this isn't Utah, but they have that town back east where that has taken place, and the the, the town is slowly in West Virginia. Yeah, it's slowly falling in on itself, and that's 
kind of where the basis, I think, of Silent Hill, the concept came from, was this actual town. Yeah, anyway. and so it's it's a really interesting phenomenon. Basically, it's the the coal itself is under enough pressure that it ignites, and so it's a compression fire. The problem is there's not enough oxygen down in the mine to keep the fire like stoked and really burn hot, and so it just sits and smolders, and so the coal like stays the hot. Like the campfire. So they've done probes That's and stuff. For roasting they'll, marshmallows. they'll do drilling because they sold off all the land that was used for the coal mining to, to oil and gas uh, interests. Well, they'll drill, uh, test pilot holes, and then they'll me- they'll temperature measure, and it's like twenty five hundred degrees in spots because it's still smoldering underneath. So the if they ground. opened it up and got enough oxygen, would it, it would just it would ignite? Combust. Go. Yeah, it would combust. It would ignite. It would burn out probably at some point. So. Yeah, I would, I read a lot about that one because I that's thought it was cool. really damn cool that there's still a fire burning underground where I don't this know that's was. Cool, it's as just much a, as interesting. It's a super crazy, kooky phenomenon. Um, okay, and then the last one that they have here is Gold Hill. Uh, I can't bet you can't imagine why that was named what <laughs> it was, um, but it was actually uh, they got gold, silver, lead, copper, tungsten, arsenic. Uh, all out of the the hills or around there, and Gold Hill is actually west of Dugway, like southwest oh. of Dugway uh, of the Proving Grounds. Um, so it uh, again about three thousand people basically turned into a ghost town in the late forties, early fifties. So um, my dad has a book of all of the ghost towns in Utah, and he and his best friend used to go around to them when I was younger. It's just interesting that we have so many, and it's totally from. All the mining. Well, Eureka. I'm surprised that it hasn't turned into one yet. Okay. So, we're going to talk. The last thing we're going to talk about is Dugway. We're not going to talk a lot about it. It's a really long article. It's from Ranker, which the graveyard site is like, this is my rabbit hole. Like, I will spend hours on this website because it just lists of things. So let me talk about some of the big things. So Dugway, for you, those of you guys that don't know, Dugway is actually one of the largest military facilities uh, in the U.S. It's over 800,000 acres. It's in the middle of freaking nowhere. Yeah, it's in the middle of the desert. So it is west of Tooele. Um, and it's basically from the Great Salt Lake um, down to forever south, like in the middle of Utah. It is a giant test site. It is a aircraft training range. My um, dad said he used to go sit up on the hills and watch bombers like drop. They drop live. They drop live yeah. ordnance. <laughs> it's a live aircraft training site. Um, and it is, there are crazy things in the sky out there. Talk about UFOs. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't seen any, but people in Eagle Mountain talk about it all the time. A lot of people call it Area Fifty Two. Um, because of Area 54 down in, in Roswell. 51. 51, whatever, I don't fucking care. Uh, but they call it Area 52. <laughs> Just <laughs> randomly, Area 54. I don't know why People it's are like, 54. this is why not Studio 54? 54. But they do call it Area 52, uh, and the reason they call that is because it's very similar to Roswell. There's a lot of military testing that goes on. There's a lot of people that claim to, to, to see UFO sightings. And recently, with some of the Freedom of Information stuff, a lot of shit is coming out about tests that they have done out at these, these sites. So, one of the most famous things that happened is they were testing VX nerve 
reserve agent in the 60s, and they inadvertently killed. Now, the military has never actually admitted to doing this, but they basically killed somewhere between 4,000 and 6,000 sheep because they were testing. Whoops. They were, they were testing an aerial distributed uh, VX agent, and it went downwind and killed a bunch of fucking sheep. They never admitted that they were the cause, but they paid off all the farmers, basically, that lost their livelihoods. Four to 6,000. It's a lot of fucking sheep. Like, they killed a ton of sheep with VX nerve agent. It's absolutely crazy. So some of the stuff that came out, so uh, entomological munitions was something they were testing there. So basically they they did, this is what's fucked up. So they basically took big bunches of mosquitoes, injected them with human viruses, uh, different type of, of biological warfare viruses, and then fucking released them. Released them on human populations in the U.S. to test whether or not it was a viable delivery system for fucking viruses. They were trying to make Ant-Man. How fucking... No, they weren't trying to make Ant-Man. They were trying to fucking get people sick with mosquito bites. Like, how people crazy just get is sick that? With mosquito bites on you, their own now. So do they cover it up called West Nile now? Yeah. You want to know how fucking West Nile came about? <laughs> That's probably how. Like, how crazy is that? They experimented on humans for sure. Uh, and those are probably the ones that ended up at Asylum 49 that Cammy was talking about when you were there. I mean, it's it's crazy. So, and a lot of this stuff is just now coming, coming out. Uh, they swear now that... All of their testing is on the defensive side of things, so they ha- they still do tons of chemical testing, but it's all defensive chemical testing. It's like so, Iron Man I, I, playground. I don't know. So this this is it, like if you want to read about a really interesting place that is like shrouded in secrecy, uh, Dugway is the place to read about. One thing to keep in mind, like this is this is interesting. So there's actually a big airfield in Dugway. Mm-hmm. Like a huge airfield. It's one of the only things that you can actually see via satellite. So if you go to like maps.google.com and zoom in on Dugway, you can see the airfields and you can see planes. Well, the helicopters from um, Camp Williams always fly out to, to like the south end. Like that's where they do their yeah their stuff. It's it's um it's very interesting, but you can't get into the proving grounds. There are signs everywhere that say no trespassings. Uh, no trespassing violators will be shot on site and they're not fucking joking and they patrol the border of Dugway that the, of those proving grounds pretty aggressively so if you think you're going to be a little sneaky and cut a hole in the fence and go in you're probably going to get fucking shot so just don't try it uh, but there's a lot of crazy shit uh, that goes on it's it's uh Disappearing. Also, to this is yeah that guy in 2011 that was out that way that has never been found Oh, yeah, he just vanished. So, yeah, a lot of crazy shit. With us today is Danny Stewart. Uh, Who are you, Danny? I'm coherent with my surroundings. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) That's a start. That's always always a good thing. Indeed. Um, So, do you go by your full, like, Danny B. Stewart or just Danny Stewart? I prefer Danny B., but I'm not going to be offended if you just call me Danny Stewart. Can I ask what the B stands for? A Barricat. Okay. I was. I'm questioning: Is Danny the actual legal first name, or is this it's, all an assumed name? It's the actual name. Okay. So my dad, my dad's name is Danny Bob legally. Oh. And I, you're the first person I've ever met in my life, besides my father, whose legal name is Danny. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so my brother's name, he's named after my my dad, but his name's Daniel Robert. <laughs> 
because my mom had no damn no damn chance in the world she's going to let him be named Danny Bob like my dad. <laughs> my dad got that name because my uh, my grandmother when he was going to be born they talking about names and they came up with Daniel Robert and she goes well that's great because then I could call him Danny Bob. And so my grandfather said, no, if that's what you're going to call him, that's what his name's going to be. So that's his name. Very cool. It's so, <laughs> just interesting. First Danny I've ever met. Uh, and it's a Danny B. I know. That's why I had to ask about the B. I was like, man. Well, it would have been weird if his middle name was Bob. Now, hopefully you're not as completely insane as my dad actually is, because my dad's like, like tinfoil hat crazy. A lot of people think I am, <laughs> but uh, and t- as soon as they get to know me, they understand I'm I'm a, l- a little bit crazy. But are you afraid the government's gonna know what you watch on TV if you switch to the digital box? Absolutely not. They can they can search everything about me. Then you're totally safe. You're not you're not on the same level as my dad in terms of crazy. So. Yeah. So in fact, I I there's two things that I absolutely refuse to research publicly. And seriously at all, and that's one is conspiracy theories. Not I find them interesting, and I'm sure there is some there's some meat to some of them. But uh, I uh, conspiracy theories and UFOs. I won't touch UFOs with a ten foot anal probe. You can, <laughs> well, you, you can't. They're too high up in the sky, man. Exactly. Ten feet's not long enough. So uh, only because I, I can be taken more seriously talking to a, a crowd of people about fairies. Than you can uh, UFOs. Isn't that interesting? Really? Isn't that interesting? So, um, just so everyone knows, we didn't just pull this dude off the street. He's not a bum from downtown. <laughs> um, Although I could have brought you one. He's <laughs> just out in front of your building. <laughs> um, Danny, you're you're actually the uh, the owner and creator of uh, the original Provo Utah Ghost Tours, right? Correct. Yes. So uh, we're going to get to how you got there, but we need to kind of take get a step. Get to where, yeah, how back. you got there. How'd you get to Utah? Were you born here? I was born in Vineyard, Utah. Where's that? Oh, we have friends That's that live there. It's down by Pleasant Grove, Linden, oh, Orem. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's just uh, a stone's throw from Orem on the west side. It's uh, It used to be a very cute, very quaint town that I, I loved dearly, and I still love it. It's just it's now it's becoming more and more like an ant farm. <laughs> with uh, cookie cutter, with a megaplex and megaplex and well, it was it's it was like Harriman was forty years ago. Yeah, it still has some character. It just doesn't have as much as it did, and it kind of breaks my heart because there's a lot of really interesting stories that I've stumbled upon while down there. You know, and that uh, some cool, uh, lack of better term, supernatural type of uh, stories that, you know, and it's it's just a really good place. Not, not only that, because of Utah Lake also, which has its, you know, supposed creature and water babies and whatnot. I've seen that area and stories. So. I haven't heard of water babies. I haven't babies. heard of water babies. I've yeah. heard of the, they, live <laughs> in the, they live off the toxic algae, so <laughs> they've been pretty satiated. <laughs> um, so, so you were born down in Vineyard. You spend your whole life in Utah. Did you go to school here? I did. Uh, I, I grew up on a haunted racehorse farm in Vineyard, Utah. That uh, was a heaven on earth with uh, all manner of amazing animals, including horses and porcupines and deer and a lot of strange stories that uh, I've written about in Utah Stories magazine. And uh, I went to Utah University, got my major in a long-winded, pointless degree, which sounds fancy, but in the real world, it has no purpose, but that's still, I'm <laughs> hey, proud. but it sounds fancy. I gotta say, that's probably like 80 to 85% of degrees, honestly. And then after I uh, 
I graduated at uh, UVU, I was asked to give a talk on cryptozoology, which was a, a very large crowd, like larger than been there. Well, I got 500, 500 people showed up, and I was asked again to do a happening to humanities on unicorns, the myth, reality, and the legend, lore of the unicorn. Who, 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 who asked you to do that? Uh, Alex Colliero, a demigod and a sinosopher, artist in residence at Utah University. Hmm. A bit of a mentor of mine, brilliant man, brilliant artist. And then I, uh, I had a, they had to move venues because of the unicorn lecture. Then I was immediately asked to be an adjunct instructor professor because of the unicorn lecture. And I did that for four years. And I, you know, and then I, I've just uh, basically spent, I mean, I lived in Oregon for a few years. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's just uh, Utah is, my place of research. I have so much information I've collected and stories that it's a it's a home base. And I uh, I've said this once, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again and again and again and again. Uh, there's a lot of very good things you can say about a place where you can walk almost anywhere after 3 a.m. and be about 95 percent safe, especially when you're taking students out, you know, for long scary walks along the Provo Vortex or parts of the you know vineyard and the vineyard haunted parks and that so you're, you're less likely to be uh, assaulted by a <laughs> by a piece of shit by know. anything really that's true um so how did you go from from being an adjunct professor and, and teaching to telling ghost stories for a while? i've been doing this since birth like i've literally been collecting these stories of some of the stories i had like uh well, just to give you an idea like the stories on my ghost tour that i've, that I've created Everything I use has been found by me. I don't Google anything. I don't borrow, steal, or regurgitate anything. Well, it's on the internet. It's got to be true. So <laughs> I just, I have a very strong desire and respect for originality. And I, I don't like to rip people off. Like I've, I've known quite a few people. To, I've, I've all known people that are just hacks, <laughs> you know? So, like, on my tour, I only have probably, and now probably, less than 7% of all of the stories I've found over the years are, is on my, my tour. Not only because of geographical purposes, but, you know, the timing that I would need to tell all the stories. And uh, someday I hope to buy a decent-sized bus and have an ultimate Provo, Utah County ghost tour. That would be epic. That would be rad. So, so is that all you do? Uh, is just the ghost tour stuff now? Is that no, no. I I'm a contributing author for Utah Stories Magazine. I'm a substitute teacher for Salt Lake City School District. I'd like to go back to teaching again sometime, but uh, my my skills are very are kind of in the arts and you know writing and I just. Uh, I'm kind of floating right now, trying to find that and doing all my research. I'm, I'm working on a, a documentary with a former student of mine, Nick Rickey, a very intelligent student. He, uh, we're doing a documentary on the Provo Vortex, which is an area that I uh, discovered and I coined the Provo Vortex. It had been, I've been looking at that for almost 15 or so years, collecting stories around that area, which I'll, we can talk about more about that in a minute, but we've been filming, a, filming that doing more writing, working on three books, which have been taking me forever to write. And, and then the ghost stores and kind of just uh, hoping for my golden ticket. <laughs> so what is it that is, what is it that has drawn you to storytelling? 
I think it's better to call yourself a storyteller than a paranormal investigator. Because I think paranormal investigators fail to see that they actually are telling a story. But the difference between me and them, or them and I, is I, I'm not intent on proving anything. Like, I'm, I'd love to prove it. And I have seen enough things that I can't explain that uh, I believe in a lot of this. But I don't think we're ever going to be able to prove anything, especially with today's technology, to fake and, and you know, create right. the nonsense. And, like, the Loch Ness creature, you know, everyone's looking for a plesiosaur, a dinosaur. You know, I, I like to talk about the ideas of, like, Roy P. Mackle's theories of the giant un unknown, undiscovered salamander, or, you know, large eels or fish that could be the culprits for these types of unknown lake creatures. But when I, when I perform, when I do stories, or even when I taught... Like I, when I taught at UVU, I taught humanities of the arts, and I would teach kind of the art history through a lens of mythology, folklore, and the occult and legend. And I made art interesting, and that's what you need to do, because most people, when you're lecturing about arts, they're going to fall asleep. Right. You know, this guy painted this, this woman chiseled that. But if you show the context, you know, you show the symbolism and the semiotics of certain things, which is what I, I, I did. You make it interesting and you make them go, holy shit. Especially when it's local, it's relatable. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully it makes them want to go out and do their own research. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's where I, I my, my ghost tours actually started when I was teaching at UVU. Because I, I would always do like three or four extracurricular activities on or off campus. For my students, I do always do lectures. Like, I don't know if you guys... Uh, looked at uh, any of the stuff online, but I, I've done multiple lectures on different types of folklore uh, here and abroad. And I decided to do a, a very long ghost tour. And it was it was like a three-hour ghost tour. I, we started at 10 into like 1.30 in the morning and everyone would be exhausted at the end of it, you know. So I, but they had fun, you know, and it was a whole new type of uh, thing that no other teacher, at least you, you had ever done for them. So after the success of that I, I moved to Oregon came back and decided to uh, re start my tours as a kind of a side gig which have are getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year and it's, it's cool I think how long has that been going the ghost tour uh-huh uh, since 2011 nice that was a long time yeah that's awesome <clears throat> Yeah. So why why Provo? Is it just because you grew up down in that area and, and you know a lot about the, the ghost stories and, and the phenomena that you experience down there or you just like it better than Salt Lake? What what's what what drives you to do that stuff in Provo? Because there's there's clearly other stories throughout yeah. the state. Well, I absolutely love Provo. I think it's it's com uh, incredibly underrated in a lot of areas. And Salt Lake City is fine. I have nothing against it. In fact, I'm working on creating a ghost tour for San, or sorry, Sugar House. I'm sorry, for Sugar House. Ooh, that'd be cool. And it's going to be a long time coming. I'm just taking a while to get all the stories. Like I said, I have to do everything on foot and interview mm -hmm. people. But I've just, while living in Utah County, I stumbled upon so many fun, interesting stories that just one after another, after another, after another, you know, every single year I'd have a, a large armful of stories. And I just... And I saw a pattern in downtown Provo, and I just threw them together and created a really cool two-hour walking tour that there's no fluff. I don't sell T-shirts. I don't <laughs> I don't wear any, 
uniform or any, you know, 18th century, 17th century bullcrap. Uh, my stories, they speak for themselves. I literally speak for myself. So I don't need the fluff to do it because unlike other ghost tours, I won't say any names locally, but I, I will, I've never Googled a damn thing. So do you write the stories down as you, as you hear about them, as you encounter them, as you talk to How people, do, you do you form it? Do you just keep them all in your head or are you? It's a down? combination of all those things. Like there's some stories I haven't written down yet. I'm still getting around to that. They're just a note form that only I would understand. And like, I'm, I'm working on getting a, a book together about Utah County anomalies, you know, you focusing on the fairy folk. I mean, God, this, I've collected so many stories about fairies in Provo. Like you wouldn't think there'd be fairies in Utah, <laughs> but based on the stories, and I'm not saying these stories are true, but based on just the stories I've collected, there's a very large population of fairy folk in Utah. So we how, have lots of mountains. How do you come? How do you come about your stories? A lot of times, it's taking students out on a uh, ferry walk because I also do a ferry a ferry walk. It's not a, it's not a ghost tour. There's no storytelling involved. It's just a walk in some areas that have a lot of uh, interesting uh, energies, for, so to speak. speaking. And they'll they'll encounter things while I'm there in front of me, and they'll, and they'll like I've done so many of these, and then people will come to me with stories, and like in fact at the end of my ghost tour, I give people the opportunity to come forward if they have any stories they want to share, and many many times, people will tell me stories about the area, and that's why I've been concentrating on the Provo Vortex, which um, uh, can I grab something down here? Is that yeah, right? yeah, 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 go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Anyway. Fairy, fairy folk. Although I'm, I'm a little curious. You say that you know I'm interested in UFOs, but like Dugway, Dugway's pretty, pretty active out Dugway's there. Dugway's pretty so. far from Provo. Yawn. Just across the river. It's just across the lake. It, it doesn't matter how interesting it is. Again, once <laughs> once you you dabble into that, you I, you lose all credibility. UFO does not mean extraterrestrial. It does not mean alien. Nope. It means unidentified flying object. It could be anything. I have seen a lot of UFOs in my lifetime. A lot of things I can't explain. Are they extraterrestrial? I don't know. Would I like to be? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I think you're, if you have any sort of belief in science, you're crazy to not think or to think that we're alone in this, this universe. But, but. anyway, the, uh, the Provo Vortex is in between uh, Columbia Lane, 800 North, Sand Hill Road, and 1800 South North. Uh, it's a north area, sorry. Um, but it's in this large pocket where I've just collected so many fun, interesting stories about fairies and the vortex itself, which is this, I can't, it, it's like a, it's the three minute mile is what it is. A three minute mile where you'll be walking. And I've taken students and people on this walk with me before. And now I can't explain what's going on here, but I can tell you what, I've experienced and people have been with me experiences. We'll just be walking along the Provo River Trail. Like we usually park at the Provo Macy's a grocery store mm -hmm. and we get on the Provo River Trail and start walking west. And when you get over to Columbia Lane, we can either choose to get off the Provo River Trail and walk into the neighborhood, which is a little bit uh, north west of, uh, of the Provo River Trail, stay on the trail. And we'll make our, we're trying to make our way to Lions Park, which is a very unique park with stories that uh, is kind of the focus of our documentary. But anyway, you'll be walking and trying to find your way there. 
and all of a sudden you're a mile off course down by like the freeway. Like you don't feel anything. Like it's like you literally just, boop, you're there. Huh. There's no, there's no disorientation. There's no blackout. There's nothing. No time warp or something. No, it's five hours later or something. You can't later. see anything. Huh. Like the time doesn't even change. It's just you're off course a mile. And I have multiple witnesses that have been with me and done this. And in fact, uh, an individual came up to me on one of my ghost tours because I was talking a little about the vortex at the very end. And he said that uh, it happened to him. And it, uh, he's, he's going to be on the documentary also. He prefers to remain anonymous. Well, rightly so, but uh, because of what he does for a living. But it's just really cool. It's 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 interesting. Uh, How did you stumble upon it? Like, was it something that you had to experience a couple times? Like, yes. wait a second, you're just walking down and... It's the stories I'd collected involving the sightings of strange things, as well as actually having the three-minute mile happen to me. At like, you know, at 1 a.m. I mean, there was one time where I, it took me almost, uh, me and a, another person, almost an hour and a half to make our way back. <laughs> because it, we just find, kept finding ourselves. And you'd think, like, people will say, the skeptics will say, and that's fine. You were just getting lost and getting excited. Well, no, it wasn't that because we'd make a turn and the freeway would be in front of us. Where that turn, would, we'd be turning north and the freeway would be west. And huh. we turn the freeway. It's a pretty, it's a pretty direct trail. It's a, it's a fairly direct trail, <laughs> but you know, it's just, it's interesting. Awesome. It's fun. I like it. I, I take it. <laughs> I like having, you know, we've had Salt Lake and Ogden and, and Tooele, and it's nice to have somebody from Utah County talking about the the, the oddities. I'm going to call oddities down on that side of the mountain because we don't get to very often. So yeah, and that's and that's what I. I'm I'm very happy to be one of the few people that's actually actively digging those out. You know, and we need to introduce him to Jennifer Jones. She's true. a good researcher too. So so speaking of of being down south and being one of the few people that kind of tries to kind of etch those out down there, how does the population down there, which is for for those that aren't familiar with the area, Provo, what we call affectionately Happy Valley, Utah County, is is very very Mormon, very very LDS uh, in faith. So, whereas Salt Lake County, you're you're looking at sixty mm, ish percent, maybe up into sixty five. Down there, it's like eighty five plus percent LDS. So how do how do people of the LDS faith? you know, take your, your tours. Do they, they're my best customers. <laughs> are they, they're great customers or are they, they big skeptics. Or? Is that because they like history? Well, it's because they're open to the interaction between the other world and the, 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 the physical world. You know, Mormonism is, it's based upon the interaction between those two sides. And so they're, when I, it was like when I was living in Eugene, Oregon, it was, I was miserable because I was around so many skeptical people, you know, that were just refused to really be open to my work, which I was so glad to be back. I moved there to go to grad school to get my master's in, in folklore, but I actually dropped out of the program two semesters in because it just ended up being an over-glorified gender studies program that, and a giant safe space that wouldn't let you use the great-grandfathers and fathers of folklore because you know they were offensive because you know they might have owned slaves at one time but you know let's completely disregard anything substantial that might have actually discovered 
Right. In the meantime, yeah, they were shitty people, perhaps, but they did discover some cool things, but we can't use them because that's offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to 2018. And, but, like, it's... Do you, do you get a large chunk of, of college-age folk? I mean, because oh, yeah. there's a ton of college kids down there between BYU and UVU. I mean, UVU is the biggest school in the state now. So. Very, very large population. And I've never had a bad experience. In fact, when I do my lectures, because I do my, my talks and lectures, I, I've never had a heckler yet. I mean, I'm sure I, well, I'm bound to have one. Well, you just called yourself out. So. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, it's coming. I mean, I mean, you know, but I can handle them. It's just that... People seem to enjoy my approach because I'm not actually trying to prove anything. Right. Well, that's the difference. You're not trying to force something down somebody's throat yeah. that they don't want to hear. Instead, you're telling a story. Yeah. And like my approach towards this phenomena, I think, is it's a, you know, it's a very late 18th century and uh, throughout the 19th century approach because I, I look to who I consider like the fathers and grandfathers of of this type of research, you know, one of my idols, Manly Palmer Hall. Have you ever read Manly Hall? Mm -hmm. You haven't lived. Uh, Rudolf Steiner, uh, C.W. the Leadbeater, Annie Besant, William Blake, the artist. You know, these romantics, the theosophers. The theosophy, a lot of what I do is a lot of my thought process uh, kind of derives from theosophy, which uh, if you haven't heard of it, like it, it's, in, it's a very interesting uh, topic you should look into someday. It's not a religion. It's literally a type of uh, what would happen if uh, very open-minded science and uh, myth had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So what are, so what are some of the, if you don't mind, what are some of the stories you talk about on the tour? Like, so what are some of the things you point out or, or what is it that, that people will hear when, when they go on the tour? Well, my most popular one, which uh, I've talked, uh, told it so many times, is the clown story. But I'm not going to tell that because I've already talked about it so many times. But you can you can read about it on Utah Stories, or they've already kind of. But that's the most popular, and it's the only the scary the only scary one. And let me emphasize: my tour is not about fear. My intent is not to scare anybody. It never has been. Never will be. I want people to come in and leave with a sense of okay. I think I might get it a little better now. And what I've, these stories I've discovered, like, these things are not, are not dark, evil things. Like, that's, that's kind of more of a religion creating that evil concept that mm -hmm. we've come to fear. We have to be afraid of the other. We have to be afraid of the unknown when, you know, using, you know, uh, the theories I have, my own personal belief and the theories I've dug up is this, these things are just like you and me. They're, they're broken. They're hurt. They're lost. They're happy. They're giddy. They're they played. They're tricksters. They're not evil. Of course, there are dark entities, perhaps throughout you know history, but not every single one of them. And I've I I make it a point like uh, B and H Pharmacy on Center Street in Orem, and uh, this is one of the places that's been very cooperative with me. And the ghost of Alan, who uh, used to be in the stories I've the story that I was given was given to me by a couple of different pharmacists over the years. And the story keeps evolving because, uh, you know, these, these stories, is this oral tradition. None of this is written down. Right. Except right here. <laughs> 
So uh, B&H Pharmacy, uh, the ghost of Alan, he was supposedly an owner who killed himself at Rock Canyon. Uh, but uh, the reason why he killed himself was because he had leukemia and medicine at that time. You know, the medical was not quite as up to par. Not that it's up to par now at all, but I mean, right. he just couldn't handle it anymore. So he walked Rock Canyon, took his life, but he came back to work the same day. And he's been there ever since. And the pharmacists and the pharmacy techs, there's no fear involved with him. Like he, he, helps with the he-, yeah. he helps with the heavy lifting. You know, I've been told that they've seen uh, items move on the shelves, literally uh, like readjusting or facing themselves. They've heard him walk. They've seen his shadow. But they've never been afraid of him. And like he, uh, it's it's that type of phenomena where these so many of these people are not afraid. So I think that's important. I think that's good because most people, when they think of entities or paranormal it's fear it's all of the, the hollywood version yeah of everything. exactly oh, they're, the they're demons they're coming to steal our soul the or, campfire the campfire story right to scare you and i i just i really like the idea of perhaps you know if if these things are real if of us having a better understanding of not you know uh, children you know, every child will go to bed at night, and once you turn that light off, the jacket that's hung over the uh, the post turns into some type of uh, unknown thing. But instead of that instilling fear, you know, let's let's have these kids have more of a curiosity and not necessarily be afraid of these types of things. And that's why, although I have a very unhealthy collection of horror films, and <laughs> there's no such thing, sir. <laughs> and I love horror and I love the horror genre. I think it's done a, a very big disservice for legitimate investigators or storytellers, you know, right. That aren't trying to scare people and prove anything. What's your favorite horror film? Uh, <laughs> all time. Mm hmm. Maybe like top three. One's hard. One's too hard. It's not. Well, <laughs> Lucille Fucci's The Beyond mm-hmm. and uh, City of the Living Dead by Lucille Fucci. I'm sensing a pattern. Lucille Fucci is amazing. <laughs> and although it's, it borders the horror sci-fi the 1978 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, yeah. That's a classic. so good. Oh, my gosh. Robert Duvall, in the very beginning, just for like a couple, like a minute, as, as, the, as the priest swinging on the swing set, the, the <laughs> symbolism and the subtlety of that movie, it just gives me goosebumps because right in the beginning, you know, something's wrong. Something's happening, although it's not directly stated. You know that there's, there's something in the air that uh, it, it's just not quite right. Although, you know, you're watching a movie about the body snatchers, but you're not supposed to know something's <laughs> wrong yet. But it's right there. Yeah. It's right there in the air. And, and you can feel it like oozing out of the screen at you. You know how I gauge a good horror movie? How's that? It makes me want to play with my G.I. Joes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. If it makes me want to take my G.I. Joes and fight whatever dark forces in that horror movie, that is a successful horror movie. That's awesome. That is awesome. So did you start watching horror movies when you were like six, like I did? Absolutely. I was like, I, I, as far as I can remember, I was watching horror Back movies. then you had to wait up till Saturday night, like at midnight on no. the obscure channel. Not if you had, had a horrible the, mother. The <laughs> and, and, oh, there you go. There <laughs> or you go. grandmother. Distance high five. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, across, <laughs> across the way here. 
my mom used to come home and we would watch like the Nightmare on Elm Street series, Friday the 13th. I'm like seven years old and she's having me watch like <laughs> Hellraiser 2. I had to go to like sleepovers to watch those like the like where everybody gets slaughtered at like sleepover camp or at the, you know, See? sleepover or whatever. The slaughter movies didn't scare me. They don't. They're not. Scary. In fact, when I was little, like when I was the scariest movie I ever saw when I was little was The Kindred. Mm. Do, you, do you remember that? I remember there, that. There's a couple different kindreds. This one's like with the uh, the mutated child in the, in the test lab. It was like this green thing. It was like 1986 or 85. Yeah. I forget. But that movie scared the snot out of me. I'm pretty well desensitized now. And although and you're going to think this is why I don't study ufology, it's not why. But the only movies that scare me today, there's two movies I can't watch alone, but I do it because it scares me. <laughs> the Communion. Yeah. With Whitley Strieber's uh, alien abduction movie starring Christopher Walken and Fire in the Sky. <coughs> what, what's that? What's I, I keep bringing it what, What's the one? The, the Predator? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> In Alaska that, that's supposedly based on true stories. That one freaked me. The one with Kurt. It was in Alaska? The Thing? No. That's Antarctica. That's Antarctica, the thing with Kurt Russell. No, the thing. And it's got the girl from... That movie's... How old is it? Oh, it's probably eight or nine years old. It's based off a true story. And the owls, the white owls, and people see the, think they see the white owls. Oh, a fourth kind or something. Something like that. I, that never, I never saw it. That freaked me out. I, uh, like, I, I used to really enjoy ufology. I really did. It's just it's just been beat to death, and I think the fourth kind. The fourth right. kind. That one freaked me out. Well, and then the Japanese version of the ring. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. yet. I love Asian horror. That films. freaked me out. Like There's something about the way that the Japanese do those films. When we try to remake them, and we throw in all the extra blood and gore, but the way they do it, it's a lot more psychological. It's not mm -hmm. so much blood splatter and stuff like that. But yeah, the Japanese version of the ring. That one creeps me out pretty good. Yeah, I, I have a. I have a, a deficit of Japanese Asian folklore, which I want to fix. And I've been working on fixing. It's just that... There's some great stuff. I haven't really had the time to really delve in that because I'm finding my own stuff and working on my own material. I like the original Dawn of the Dead. Oh, forget about it. Original Dawn of the Dead, black and white. It starts right out there. There's no explanation. Oh, you There's... mean Night of the Living Dead? Or Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead is a sequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Night of the Living Dead, the uh, original yeah. one. No explanation, no nothing. They're in the cemetery, zombie. It, yeah. But it, it, it's... But they don't spend much. There's there's very little dialogue in that whole movie. No, and and I like it when they leave it ambiguous, like mm -hmm. the cause. Uh, I think we've been oversaturated to death with zombies the right. last uh, decade or so. But like uh, the, I can still go back anytime and watch the old original stuff because it's just it's so great. Atmosphere, atmosphere is what makes a good horror movie. Yeah. Yes. I have a dream. I have a dream that someday I'll be able to afford to make a good movie. <laughs> and I want to make a Western. Not a horror movie, a Western. But a Western that feels like a Western, sounds like a Western, tastes like a Western, but it has zombies. <laughs> like it's just a town, a normal town, you know, with a... We'll find, you know, some decent rugged actors that just... The first half, 45 minutes of the movie is just like a normal Western, you know, and... But for some reason, unexplained reason, zombies attack this small Montana. Where so like from dusk till dawn, where you have like this classic Quentin Tarantino movie and then fucking vampires show up. <laughs> kind of like that. <laughs> but I, I think it. A cooler. I think that would be, I think that would be an ideal movie to make. And someday 
if I ever get my TV show up and running. Like uh, I've had, and this is a big hint to all you uh, producers out there listening right now. I've had about seven interviews for how my own television show. And what the hell is your problem? <laughs> get with the program already. Because I'm ready. And I sell. I already have an action figure. <laughs> I got the merchandise set. I, I got to say, so, yes, it's easy to pick one. My, best, my favorite horror movie of all time is Cabin in the Woods. Nice. Because of the way Cabin in the Woods plays on every other horror film that's that's been made, and I think their explanation's great. Uh, the only movie that scared me in recent years is Insidious, the original one. Scared you me. should watch the autopsy of Jane Doe. That <laughs> He's will over scare there you. Yawning, <laughs> I, there's just not a lot that scares me. I'm just so desensitized to most of that stuff. So kind of kind of like you were saying. So it takes a lot to get me in that one. That one that one freaked me out a little bit. Um, but uh, so, do you, do you have interaction with other storytellers locally? No, I don't get along well with other people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have uh, some artist friends, you know. But uh, I, Alex Caldiero, he's a storyteller, and he's taught me a lot. That uh, I don't step on his toes. We we do completely different stuff, but he's taught me a lot. But other than that, not really no, because I think. Uh, I have a, and then again, I have a label of being like the Bigfoot guy or the ghost guy, which, you know, I am, but uh, I'm, I'm not. Hey, at least I don't call you Alien Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I've met him a couple times. Dude, he's like in a permanent state of, of mental alter, alteration. <laughs> uh, I, I, I dig him. He's, uh, I don't think we'd agree on everything, but I dig him. <laughs> but that's fine. I mean, I don't think he agrees on a lot of people with a lot of things. Um, I, I've, so for me, like a really good storyteller, so get away from, you know, ghost tours and, and ghost stories necessarily, but a, a good storyteller, one, they're hard to find. They're really hard to find. Um, that, that tells an in-person story that isn't just necessarily writing or authoring. Um, the the only you know the only really good storyteller I've even heard you know personally tell stories in recent years is um, a guy by the name of Daniel Bishop, and I don't know if he I don't think he's from here. Um, but they usually they bring him in for a lot of the cons, a lot of the comic conventions, and he's a really good storyteller. I don't know that the stories are all his. Uh, I'm I guessing don't think any of not. them are, <laughs> but they're good. I think he's but just he's, relating. He's really stories. good at actually telling the story, and it's kind of a, it's one of those things. So when you think about like reading a good book, and your mind is just there, like suddenly you're transported, and and you feel like you're right there with the characters. That's what a good storyteller can do, and I think that's something. At least for me, that's something that we miss a lot in today's society: the spoken word, and like you were saying, stories that are. Passed down from from person to person with words, it's disappearing from humanity mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah, and I think you know when people have experiences, they're afraid to acknowledge them because people have experiences every single day that they can't explain, and it just goes in and out because there's that fear to regurgitate it or to be laughed at, and I. I think there are a lot more storytellers out there than we'll ever know because they'll, they'll never utilize that ability. Do you remember what the first story that you did research on and went out and, and interviewed people? Good grief. Because <laughs> <laughs> that takes a lot of, that's, I mean, when you're dealing with such a big community, that takes, one, a lot of guts to be like, 
this is my goal and this is what I'm searching for to go find those th- those people and places to begin with. I think it was like 11 or 12 and it was like the father of an acquaintance of mine I went to school with who said he saw Bigfoot. That's awesome. And it was like somewhere in Provo Canyon area that, and I, I, wrote, I wrote it all down. I don't have it anymore. You know, I barely remember the actual details about it. He, he didn't really want to talk very much. I remember he was very hesitant to talk to me. Which, you know, is common, especially if you're a young kid, you know, but I did, was, was able to squeeze a few things out of him. Uh, my most interesting story that I've ever, I've ever uh, researched that, that actually uh, is more interesting than the actual thing I was researching at the time. This is like in 2003 or four, and I uh, had been, uh, an older gentleman approached me. I think his name was Martin. He lives in Draper. And that was when I was still living in Utah County. And uh, he sent me this email saying, I, I got this story about giant rabbits I want to tell you. Hmm. like, all right, cool. So I drove up to uh, his uh, home. Now, bear in mind, this commentary is nothing negative towards trailer parks. It's just a matter of fact that we pulled up to this old, very archetypal gritty trailer park and I was already excited (laughs) (laughs) and we uh, we stopped it was a former use of in mine she was with me and we got to his trailer and knocked on the door he answers and it's just this old ragged man aged centuries it would seem but when he opened his door this massive invisible Forest, this explosion of cat piss just knocked us both over. It was like you could literally feel it. It it just permeated everything. And there were all of these cats inside this uh, this little trailer. Now, I love cats. I love them. Like, my best friend is a cat. But uh, there's a limit. (laughs) With every step that we took, without exaggeration, there was like an explosion a mushroom explosion of cat hair. <sighs> They'll just go. My thumb of cat hair. And I could feel the piss just <laughs> saturating my skin and my clothes as I was uh. just talking to this man. And uh, the person I was with at the time, she was also an avid cat lover, but she was freaking out worse than I, because we knew we would never be able to wash this out of our clothing. (laughs) Those were going in the incinerator. Yeah, because it was, like, I don't think you understand how bad it was. Like, you could barely breathe. I was getting a headache. Uh, it was just so bad. And like, it was, I, I, I honestly, I swear to the gods and goddesses, it, it looked like there was like a fog of cat piss throughout <laughs> his, his, uh, his little trailer. So he started telling the story to me and he was like, so yeah, it was, uh, it's like 1967. It was Thanksgiving day in St. George, Utah. And uh, I went for a walk. I was, I was with my, some acquaintances of mine on Thanksgiving, and I decided to go for a walk. Now, I hadn't been drinking that day. I want to promise. Well, I had a, I had a drink earlier in the day, but I wasn't, I wasn't even tipsy. I wasn't tipsy. <laughs> so, but I, I went walking out, and I went out to the field behind uh, my friend's house, and it was probably a good maybe like two or three acres away from the house, and there were these two big apple trees out in the field. And underneath it, I saw these rabbits. Like oh yeah yeah well what kind of rabbits well I don't know they were they were like a red 
an orange-red color, a little bit of white on the side of one of them, but they were the size of small, small calves. Calves. Like cows, baby cows. <laughs> and they were just, they were just sitting there under the tree, St. George, Utah. And I, I wish to God I had a camera with me at the time. I watched them there for a minute, and they were just grazing there, just kind of hopping, hopping around, kind of how rabbits do. Finally, you know, I heard the dinner bell, had to head back in. I told them, told them what they saw. They didn't believe me. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's my story. It's very short and sweet. Very short and sweet. <laughs> and uh, I, I wrapped things up as quick as I could because I was going to die. <laughs> step outside. Like, no follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> and so I immediately uh, rushed home, uh, bathed, and then started looking into the story. Now, there have been a lot of sightings of, of, of rabbits of, of large rabbits throughout the United States. But I don't think they're rabbits. I think they're out-of-place kangaroos. <laughs> and that's, that, that is what real cryptozoology is. A lot of people say I'm a cryptozoologist. I'm not a cryptozoologist. There's no such thing as a cryptozoologist because there's no school to go to become a cryptozoologist. <sighs> there are people that study cryptozoology from various fields. Okay? And they're always looking for monsters. They're always looking for the most extravagant explanation for everything, which makes people like me look bad, so we can't call ourselves paranormal investigators. <laughs> what is a cryptozoologist? What is the definition of that for people well, who don't know? Well, it was coined by Dr. Hoovelman, the father of cryptozoology, Dr. Bernard Hoovelman. And it is, it's very simply put, the study and search for animals not yet recognized by science. Godzilla. Animals. Now, I, uh, and so there are a lot of stories of kangaroos that have escaped from private collections, from, uh, from, from circuses, Salina, zoos. circuses, zoos, etc. That that remain in the West, that remain at large, and people see them. So it's not preposterous to think that an older gentleman, or a gentleman in that who may have been or may not have been a little bit drunk, <laughs> saw two kangaroos. kangaroos or he could have saw two calves that he thought were rabbits but <laughs> you know that that's the easily you, mistaken you got to leave that door open and so and that's why it's so difficult to actually be a, a legitimate researcher and there are some there are some people out there that i have communication with and i talked very lately scott scott martis of uh, he researches the uh, lake champlain and champ I like his work a lot. He's very open-minded. He's very skeptical at the same time. He's not looking for just that monster. Right. You know? And uh, Jeff Meldrum of uh, uh, University of Idaho, Pocatello. Uh, uh, I brought him to UVU and had him talk uh, about Bigfoot. You know, he's, it's people who use not only real science, but pragmatism. I'm completely open to the idea of Bigfoot just being bullshit or a bear. You know, but I, I but I'm also equally open to the idea of it being something else, something maybe not if it's not physical, it's 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 a nature spirit, which is kind of my favorite theory for a lot of these things is the idea of the nature spirit, the fae because we have they're all over the place. I mean, mm -hmm. almost every single continent has a type of a Bigfoot story, you know, mm -hmm. something like a, a, a known hominoid. Uh, and it, and I, I will admit it is kind of harder to digest the idea of, of uh, eight foot tall ape men, you know, hiding in, in the United States. 
but it's not it's not completely preposterous but if you consider the folklore of the nature spirit and you and you tie those two things together i think that's what it is in fact i'm i'm hoping to write a book on that topic someday too it's well i don't even think it's like it's it's crazy cuz i think some of the stuff to me is just absolutely like batshit bonkers crazy well, of course bigfoot like i I don't do I believe there's like an you know a different species of man wandering that we haven't found probably not but there are tribes in for instance the Amazon less than a month ago they discovered a new indigenous tribe in the middle of the freaking Amazon that has had no outside human contact ever well, not only that, and it's 2018 like that's crazy to me but the idea to assume like that, that we've discovered every animal Every large mammal to be discovered is preposterous because, like uh, the orang pendek of Sumatra, you know, it's very likely that is an unknown population or type of orangutan. Yeah, you know, the, look at all these things that were monsters. The the giant panda was a monster, literally considered to be a monster. The komodo dragon was a monster. Half the creatures in the ocean. Yeah, um, but they still are. Look at giant squids and look how little we know about. The aardvark was a monster. No one believed in these things. They're complete bullcrap. The duck-billed platypus. Duck-billed platypus is one of my favorite stories. <laughs> it is a <laughs> the coolest animal. The freakiest ever. looking thing. Get ever. a hold of um, Bernard Hoofman's book uh, in the Search of Unknown Animals, and his uh, his chapter on the platypus is just beautiful. It's so romantic. Just the argument. The argument. And because they really thought it was taxidermy. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it. When it's a picture it looks like a jackalope. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. That is taxidermy. And it's not, it's not only a, 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 a strong desire to want these things to be real, to, to make life more interesting, but the stories themselves, whether they're stretched beyond belief or not, I think they, they keep us, they keep the gun out of our mouth. You know? I, I personally think that these stories of mythology, and let me back up, it starts like this, from fo of folklore, of mythology, and legend, all three very different things, are far more interesting than any of this bull crap we can find in the media. You know, like these TV shows, which I... I, I've never seen, like, I've never seen American Horror Story. I've never seen Game of Thrones or the stuff that has a lot of this supposed, you know, real research put into them. Like, the, or these horror films, reality is so much more interesting because there's that possibility of, of truth behind it. That, that kind of makes sounded weird. Um, no, I, I think Krampus is actually a perfect example of that because mm -hmm. it is uh, folklore, German, Austrian folklore that has been turned, like, the way that it, I mean, it was banned mm -hmm. for years and, you know, now it has a, a, a pop culture following. And, and if people actually went and like researched the, the true story behind Krampus, they might mm -hmm. be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and I want to like, I, I don't, as far as my folklore studies go, like they, they, they don't just kind of stall at like the unknown the monsters and the ghosts now like i a lot of my i'm very fascinated with the idea of the death of the festival especially the death of the festival in the first world country because it's it's something i've been looking at for a couple of years now because you go to what people call festivals today they're crap they're it's over glorified marketing and, and capitalistic junk that just selling really cheap shit that isn't even made there. <laughs> you know, if if you research sincere festivals, you know, 
some of them were scary. Some of them, and I wrote this uh, lecture. Uh, in fact, a Utah, I, wrote, I wrote an article about it in Utah Stories Magazine. But uh, originally, I wrote a, uh, a lecture to impress a girl once when I was teaching. And it was called Love, Love, Love. Uh, L-O-V-E-L-U-V-W-U-V. One man's bitter interpretation of the mythologies, folklores, and legends of love. And I talk about how a lot of these lost courtship traditions that are just dead now, that would just be mocked, are, they're just, they, 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 I, I, it's my theory that the destruction and loss of these courtship traditions and loving traditions is what is is what has led to the disintegration of marriage and love. And I mean, this isn't trying to be like you know psychological. It's just like a, something I'm playing with, you know, an idea, because there are so many of these, with lack of a better term, romantic and, and beautiful traditions of courtship, uh, pre-wedding, a wedding, and, and post-wedding that uh, no one practices anymore. And there's this one I want to tell you about that okay. I, it's my favorite one. I have a lot of them. But, by, but back up just a second. When I give this lecture, like uh, everyone would be in tears because it leads to a big giveaway, a big theory of mine, which uh, I don't know. I, I may or may not go into it right here, but it, it's a big, a big boom, which they're like. <gasps> but there's this one tradition that was given to me by a, a woman I met a few years back uh, sitting in a cafe in Orem, Utah. She saw me reading a bunch of stuff on festivals and she came and sat by me and we started talking. It was this old tradition, which she said she was from Scotland. And she said she kind of forgot where it uh, originated from. But he thinks it's like from Scotland or certain parts of Western Europe, maybe a mixture of the two. But it's called creeling, uh, C-R-E-E-L-I-N-G or K-R-E-E-L-I-N-G. And it's, it's when, I, when she was telling me the story, I was brought to tears. And, and the story itself always brings people to tears. And if, I, if I'm ever allowed to afford my walk-in wedding cake so I can marry my girlfriend, mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm going to do this. And later on, I found it written about in an old uh, uh, um, come, uh, Encyclopedia of Antiquities. It was written like 1840. So there was another source to this. But So the day after the wedding, the bride and groom will gather their closest male and female friends. And it usually has to be a, a, a good number of them, like enough for a good-sized party. It can maybe be like 20 or so other friends. And they, they go find a secluded glen or meadow, something very romantic. And the bride will take a picnic basket and she'll lay it down under a tree and she'll uh, pick a blanket and a basket and have like little pillows and make a very, very cute, very quaint little place to rest. And then she will sit on the blanket. Now, all of the women will form a gauntlet facing each other, creating a tunnel starting at the, uh, the blanket where the bride is. And the bride will be facing the, uh, the tunnel that's created, facing out. And each woman will be facing each other, creating a gauntlet. And all of the men who come will walk through that gauntlet. And each woman will embrace him, hug him, give him a little peck on the cheek, 
you know, uh, whispers sweet nothing into his ear. And, and then he makes it to the bride. The bride just shuns him away. He just says, no, I want nothing to do with you. And this, this goes to every single man. Now, while they are doing this, they're holding around their neck something called a creeling. It's like a double-sided knapsack full of rocks to make it heavy. Now, this knapsack is to... The men or the women? The men are. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's to represent life's hardships. And they, they, after they get to the end, they pass it off to the next man, goes through it, till finally it comes to the groom. And he's the last one. And they make the creeling twice as hard. Twice as hard, twice as heavy, twice as painful to carry. And now all of the women have sticks and reeds. And they have just looks of disgust on their face. And as he makes it to the gauntlet, each woman will spit at him, curse at him, slap him, hit him. And he makes his way down. And each woman will do this to him till he makes it to his bride, who immediately jumps up, grabs the crewling off his neck, throws it aside, takes him, lays her in his lap, and embraces him. And then all of their friends immediately leave. And they're gone. And it's, it's a symbolic of, look, from here on out, I will be the one that you come to. I will be the one that embraces you. I will be the one that holds you and loves you. You will go to another person. And that was a ritual the day after a wedding. Now imagine if we weren't too stuck up today to practice that. The symbology alone would stick with us for so long, I think, that I think it would be a, a huge help, you know, even to reproduce it later on, like during, like, say, a marital problem. Just that type. Now, there are, there are several different types of rituals like that. And I, and I, I that's, that's what I like to do, is I like to look at stuff that people have forgotten, not just monsters, not just ghosts, but forgotten lore, foodways, textiles. Like who, who in this room knows how to make a sweater from scratch? I don't. My but, mom can. But, uh, <laughs> but like it's, it's these types of practices uh, of survival. Gardening, even gardening is dying, you know? <laughs> Not it, in this room. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, in yeah. general. Most people don't know anything. How to, how to do anything. And if, and if, you know, this is where we come to, like, you know, the doom scenario, if this shit ever hits the fan, it's going to literally be Mad Max because we don't know how to even tie a knot. Yeah. But it's, and when I was going to this uh, program up in Oregon, this was the kind of thing that they weren't doing. They weren't, I don't believe they were doing real folklore. I, it was just safe spaces. Yeah. Whitewash. The folklore of internet cat videos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I threw up in my mouth when that was like a legitimate project. Is it because it took you back to the trailer? <laughs> well, well, no. I, I, I found it offensive. I found that they were giving yeah. full funding to these people that were just doing shit. Yeah. And didn't deserve it because they weren't doing legit research. So, yeah, that's. It's important. Folklore is important. Legends are important. Mythology is important. It's not just something that we tell 
to have fun or, or, or regurgitate in a Disney film. It's something that tells us who we are, where we come from, and potentially where we're going or what might happen to us if we continue to be buffoons. I have one more question for you before we let you get out of here. So you are a, a born and bred Utah. Uh, you've left and come back. So you must like the place. Um, what's one thing that you would tell someone visiting the state that they needed to do before they left? Hmm. Let me pray about that just for a second. <laughs> <laughs> that might that might be a first. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same one I always say. Gilgal Gardens. The place is amazing. It's it's mystical. You know. It's it's absolutely mystical, and uh, Google Gardens in Salt Lake City, absolutely. Have you uh, have you seen the uh, have you seen the pyramid in Salt Lake City mm-hmm. downtown? International. I didn't Garden. even so I've, I've known that the Gilgal existed, but I didn't know about that pyramid. So that pyramid it's is it in the International Peace Garden. We've been to the International like, Peace Garden like but three I times. I've never seen it. It's, yeah, you're right. Three times. That's crazy. I'm pretty sure that's where it's at. Because Derek was the one that told us about it. I thought it was like by 7th East or something. I don't know no, it's, about it. No, it's West. Is it? Oh, you should know about the pyramid. I think I know about it. But I don't know enough to really have a discussion <laughs> Have about you been it. to the Peace Gardens? Yeah. Ah, such a I, beautiful place. Just because I'm about to embark on a similar tour of what you do, but out of state, how do you... I know I said we have more question, but how do you market yourself so that people don't leave being like, oh, I thought this was going to be paranormal and or like, how do you make sure that you're just very transparent about what your tour around Provo is? Well, I, on my Facebook page, you know, the original Provo Utah Ghost Tour, I, I make it very clear <laughs> what I do and I, I emphasize and, and plus the podcast that I've done and my writing kind of obviously speak for themselves. And, uh, you know, when people contact me, to get a tour, I'm like, look, you need to understand this is not about getting afraid. I'm not here to scare you. That's good, because a lot of those are not transparent like that, so that's good. And how do how do people get a hold of you if they want to take a tour? I mean, obviously, they can they can read your work online. Uh, you can email me, stewiebluey at hotmail.com, or you can go to Facebook, Danny B. Stewart, or the original Provo Utah Ghost Tour. Don't mistake me for that other Provo tour that thinks they know what they're doing. <laughs> I was there before them and I've never been to BYU. So again, it's the original Provo, Utah ghost tour. Mm-hmm. Um, just so you know, the pyramid is outside the Peace Gardens, but it's really close by. It's on 7th West between 8th and 9th South. Oh, so it is on 7th, just it's, the wrong one. Yeah, just the very west side of... of yeah, it's been a long time since I visited it. So it is outside the Peace Garden then. Mm-hmm. Okay. But just barely. Like it's just up and over. Not a lot here. Then it doesn't make me feel bad that I've been all over the Peace Garden like three <laughs> times. Because we've been all over it. And I'm like, I don't remember ever seeing where that thing is at. So, um, well, thanks very much for joining us, Danny B. That's It's been a, a good conversation. Thank you. Well, thanks again to our guest, uh, Danny B. Um, from... Uh, I want to say the whole thing in a, the original Provo, Utah ghost tours. Um, so if you want history, folklore, legends, this is your dude, not paranormal things. 
Yeah, don't listen to the bullshit Jeremy spouts. <laughs> no, but he's uh, he's a storyteller. That's what I that's what I get out of it. Is he's a storyteller, and what you guys didn't get to hear was the story he told us after the mics went off, um, where he was able to like get up and be expressive and 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 use his hands and use things in the room to illustrate points and that's what drives the story home for me is being able to to talk uh through things and and be animated yeah very animated um but thanks again to him that was that was very fascinating good to good to listen to and and chat with him check him out go see his site on one of his tours yeah, Utah Stories is actually a site that we use frequently. Um, yes. We, we get a lot of stuff from them. Uh, so we always try to give credit where credit's due. Um, but um, definitely give that a, a look. Now, if you have managed to stay with us, <laughs> thank you. Um, that's a very admirable thing that you have done. <laughs> if you like what you hear, uh, please uh, share it. That's what helps us the most. We don't have a Patreon. We don't ask for money. Uh, we do this out of the kindness of our heart and the uh, the emptiness in our wallets. Um, it's not free for us to do, um, and it's it's certainly a time commitment for us. But uh, if you share it, that's what we enjoy. Uh, yeah, and we do it because we love it, and we love Utah. If you have comments, uh, feel free to, to reach out to us. Uh, leave a review uh, on iTunes or Stitcher, or if you're listening on Spotify, you can leave one there because we're on Spotify now. Yay! <laughs> we're in the um, big leagues. Let this be known, episode 123, that's the Spotify episode. Except for they just upload all of them Yeah, it's true. automatically. But this so. is the episode, the first episode that gets Spotify freshly. Um, freshly. That is true. Tomorrow. Yep. 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 They automatically refresh. So uh, what all are we on? Everything. All the stuff. Google. When uh, I was at the. Uh, Stitcher. Your mom. When I was at the, the fundraiser, Brandy was like. Make note of your of your podcast. And I was like, "Is it appropriate?" She's like, "Hell yeah!" yeah. Talk about so it I, anytime. So I listed the podcast and told them they can download it at their on their favorite platform or, or on from thenewutah.com. Yeah, another great place to go. Uh, the Gilgal Gardens. There's actually already an article about that, and we that's talked so about exciting that, that you talked about it. Peter will be so excited. He's not alone. Um, that that it was. I still really haven't funny. gone there, and I'm like. Two minutes walking. Um, but uh, you all see the one things are always there. Uh, and then it, you can follow us on Twitter at TNU Podcast. If you have something that you're, you're doing a cool event you want us to talk about or take a look at or share, just let us know. We're happy to do it. Um, Jess doesn't have anything else to do in her life. so <laughs> Jess does a lot of that stuff. You guys really have no idea how much stuff Jess does for this show. Um, but that's it. I'm going to hopefully have a little bit more sane of a week, so I, uh, I beg all of you no, to No, you're not, same. because you're going down to see our daughters this weekend. Uh, I said week. I didn't say weekend. They're all starting Friday. I got, th- I got three more days before the insanity. <laughs> two, two more days. One, one and a half before the insanity takes over again. Um, yeah, never mind. Hopefully you guys have a good week, because mine's going to suck. 